in the church. That's all right. Uh, I'm so glad uh, that uh, you know we have this children's time here. I've always felt um, that the children's message is really just as much for us adults as it is for the kids. And uh, uh, she talked about a part of scripture that I'm going to read to you now. This is found in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 8, starting with verse 5 and reading through verse 13. So uh, I always encourage people, if you brought a Bible with you, I know I don't think we have Bibles in the pews yet, but if you have a Bible with you, to turn and follow along with that. It's always good to, to read that. If not, you can read it right from the screen up here. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the, in the feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed that very hour. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Russ. Uh, I don't know if a lot of you have met Russ. He's preached here a couple of times. Uh, Russ is a pastor who retired last year, and, um, and uh, Russ and I go way back. Uh, and so anyway, I'm glad that he's made this his home church and uh, is uh, eager to be a part of it. Uh, you know, I am so glad to be with you today. Isn't this awesome? Yeah. The last two Sundays, we had in-person worship, but one was in the deep freeze and one was in the slushy snow, and so we had pretty small crowds. But anyway, it's great to have you back, and then we'll have our later service at 1045. And I want to welcome all of you who are worshiping online live stream. Uh, it's, so, it's so great to have you with us, and I, I want you to know I love you all. Um, our pantry was open again last uh, yesterday morning. And I just want to say to you, thank you, thank you, all of you who support this pantry and you serve at it. And I also wanted to let you know, you know, lately we've had some offerings for, uh, to help uh, my friend, Pastor Juan Carlos Veloso, also a, a friend of Russ's. Uh, he's starting this new Spanish-speaking church in South Omaha, and uh, we've received some offerings to help bless them and, the, and get their building ready for post-pandemic worship. And so... Uh, it's really made a huge difference. Uh, for the last week and a half, we've been uh, in the season of Lent, uh, and uh, so that means that 
Easter is just five weeks away. And I am so excited about that as well. Uh, are any of you really ready for Easter and eager for that to happen? I, I know I am. Today's message is the third one in our Lenten series, and it's called This is Jesus. And throughout this series, we're walking through Matthew's gospel. A lot of you are reading at home and, and discussing it in your groups as well. And my hope for this series is that we're all going to get to know Jesus in a fresh way. And that we're going to be invigorated uh, to live as his deep, daring, daily disciples. Now, before Jesus' birth, you go to uh, chapter 1 of Matthew's gospel, we see that uh, he will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so one thing that tells me is that the more we get to know Jesus, the more we get to know God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, so let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, we want to know you, uh, not just as a historical person who lived long ago, but as a right here with us person. Jesus, we are listening to everything you say. We are watching everything you do. We want to learn life from you. Send the Holy Spirit. Pour your life and love into us. We love you. We want to live for you. And all God's people said, amen. Well, last Sunday, uh, we looked at five verses from the first block of teaching in Matthew's gospel. We call that the Sermon on the Mount, and it's found in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. Uh, by the way, if you missed that message, uh, you can still watch it uh, from our website, uh, Facebook, YouTube now, and our Faith Westwood app, plus we have the audio podcast, so five different ways you can access it. Uh, and then today's message comes from a portion of the narrative that immediately follows the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in chapters 8 and 9, and here Jesus does 10 miracles, kind of bang, bang, bang. And, and uh, Russ read the account for us of, of the second of those miracles, the healing of the centurion's servant. But to set the stage, I want to tell you about the miracle at the beginning of chapter 8. Matthew likes to compress these stories into really tight packages, and he does that here as well. A man with leprosy comes to Jesus and kneels before him, and this guy, he knows the rules. When you have leprosy, you've got to keep your distance. You know, back then, a rabbi would normally keep six feet away from anybody with leprosy. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> and everyone, of course, is terrified of this disease, although compared to what we're dealing with, it really wasn't all that contagious. If you were diagnosed with leprosy back then, then you were not allowed to enter a, a big city like Jerusalem. And even outside of the city, an infected person was supposed to shout, unclean, unclean, to keep the uninfected away. And you were not only counted as physically unclean and ceremonially unclean, you were considered morally unclean. People figure that if you had leprosy, then God must be punishing you for something you did. 
I'm so fortunate. I have received both vaccine shots. I'm so thankful. And, and, and some, you know, it didn't sound like pastors were going, in Douglas County were going to be a part of the, of the early phase, but toward the end of that phase, somehow they said, okay, go ahead. I guess they, they thought that being a pastor was a pre-existing condition, I guess. You know, I don't know. And, and, uh, and then uh, my wife, Tricia, should get the, both uh, shots in March. And my parents got their second dose a few days ago. And I am so ready to sit down and have a meal with my parents again, maybe on Easter. Wouldn't that be awesome? And maybe the, pe- the, the uh, pandemic helps us to empathize just a bit with the leprous man. I imagine that he has not seen his family in years. He's in isolation and, and could expect to be for the rest of his life. His clothes are ragged. His skin is swollen and crusty and whitish. People with leprosy back then were called the walking dead. And you thought it was just about zombies, didn't you? The man kneels before Jesus and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He doesn't beg. He Really, you notice he doesn't even ask. He simply states his belief that Jesus has the ability to make him clean. And he has come to find out what Jesus would like to do. So he says, if you are willing. And then Jesus does one of the most shocking things that he will ever do. He touches the man. I love the way that this miracle is depicted in the TV show, The Chosen. Jesus' disciples, they see this guy come close and they they shout for Jesus to stay away and, and they're terrified of him and they gasp when Jesus touches him. According to the book of Leviticus, Jesus would become unclean just by touching this guy. The law says then he would have to quarantine and and go through a series of washings. But here, here's Jesus touching him. Jesus says, I am willing. Be clean. And in The Chosen, we see this guy's skin miraculously change from diseased to healthy. By the way, if you want to see season one of The Chosen, you can find it for free on YouTube. Uh, You can also get their free app, which you can watch from there, The Chosen. Uh, You know, and last season, you know, I purchased uh, the discs for it to be able to play it on our TV, and and Trish and I, we plan to watch all eight episodes again uh, before Easter. And I hear that season two is supposed to come out about Easter time. So I would highly recommend it. I know I talked about this a lot last year at Lent and uh, encourage you to to do that. So instead of uh, Jesus becoming unclean by touching the man, it, it gets reversed. The man becomes clean when he's touched by Jesus. And once this guy is certified by the priest that he's healed, then he is free to return to his family and to his community. Now, the big idea for today's message is this. Don't count anyone out. Jesus and that person just might surprise you by getting together. 
You know, that's why we read the gospel. Jesus is so full of surprises. That's why the gospels were written. God was doing a new thing, and it had to be told, and this story is part of it. So will you say this with me? Don't count anyone out. Jesus and that person just might surprise you by getting together. You know, no one was counted out more than a leper. Who would have thought that this guy would have the faith to come to Jesus? Who would have thought that Jesus would touch him and say, be clean? One quick thing. Sometimes we wonder why Jesus doesn't heal today every time to people who come to him like like he did back then. You know, in this story, Jesus shows, he he shows us that he's able He shows us that he's willing, so why does he not do it every time, even today? I want you to know, I cannot answer that fully. I cannot cannot give you an answer that at least is going to satisfy me. But here's what I can say. Jesus is always able to heal. And Jesus is always willing to heal those who come to him And the problem is not because of a lack of faith on our part. I am convinced that you and I have just as much faith as the leprous man had. And I believe that Jesus will heal all who come to him and call on him in faith. It may just not be in this life. But he will heal us in the age to come. When God restores heaven and earth, we will be fully restored. Our healing will be complete. So now we come to today's passage. The beginning of verse 5 says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, once Jesus left his hometown of Nazareth and went public with his teaching and touring, he made Capernaum his home base. Uh, Now, did Jesus have a home there? Did he rent a room? Did he stay with friends? Did he use Airbnb? We don't know. Capernaum was on the north edge of the Lake of Galilee, and it was a border town between Galilee and Syria to the north, and it would not have been unusual for there to be a Roman army presence in a place like that. So when you read all of verse 5, it says this, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, Asking for help. The rank of centurion implies that he was uh, in command of 100 soldiers. In actuality, it was usually more like 80. Uh, the odd thing is that, that uh, he comes to Jesus for help, as if he sees Jesus as a superior. A, centuri- a centurion would normally have authority over a civilian citizen, uh, especially of one of a vassal nation. But maybe he's seen Jesus before. Maybe he's been keeping an eye on this man who's able to draw these huge crowds. Maybe he saw Jesus heal the leprous man. So when he finds Jesus, he explains his situation. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. 
And from the way the centurion describes him, I'd guess that his servant has suffered a terrible injury. Uh, And that's why he's unable to move and is in great pain. Before the centurion can say any more, Jesus, it seems to me, kind of interrupts. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Again, just like with the the leprous man, we see Jesus' great willingness. He's eager to help. He wants to alleviate this, this suffering. He wants to give people a foretaste of the coming kingdom. This is Jesus. Then it's the centurion's turn to surprise. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. You got to admire this guy, right? He knows that a Jew does not enter the home of a Gentile. It It would be kind of like touching a leper. It would defile him. It would make him ceremonially unclean and temporarily unfit for social interaction. And again, Jesus doesn't seem to be concerned about those rules. In God's new kingdom, those rules no longer apply about walking into the home of a Gentile, especially to Jesus. And like the man with uh, leprosy, uh, the centurion, uh, centurion expresses his confidence in Jesus' ability to heal, if he chooses to do so. He says, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. He's saying, Jesus, I, I don't expect you to walk into my home. I know how the hard that might be for you. And besides, it's unnecessary. You, I'm sure, can heal from a distance. Just say the word. You know, I've learned a lot about prayer from this passage, from this healing. I I don't have to phrase it perfectly. (laughs) I don't have to use any kind of special religious formula. You know, it's actually better if we don't. Because if we rely on a formula, then we're trying to control God through magic rather than just trust him through faith. And yet in my own prayers, there are times when I I have borrowed the words of this centurion. And I say, oh, Lord, just say the word. Just say the word, Lord. Let this person be healed. And then the centurion explains how he understands the chain of command. He's a soldier. He knows authority. And when the centurion uh, wants something, he just says the word. People jump. It gets done. And he sees that when it comes to ailments and illnesses and injuries, Jesus has the authority to heal. He just has to say the word. Verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. No one expected a Roman centurion to come to Jesus. And no one expected Jesus to heal a Gentile. But he does. And that brings us back to that big idea for today. Don't count anyone out. Jesus and that person just might surprise you by getting together. 
Sometimes the most unlikely people will be drawn to Jesus. It's the power of the gospel. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus drawing them to himself. And those influences often all converge together on a person, especially at their point of pain. When they recognize their weakness, their lostness, and they see that Jesus has what they need. I have seen some of the most surprising people put their faith in Jesus and put their lives in his hands. One guy um, was thoroughly agnostic. From all appearances, you would say he would be highly unlikely to ever be one of Jesus' people, not a church-going person at all. But he had questions. And uh, I would say that those questions probably came because the Spirit was at work inside of him. And uh, he and I got to know each other. We became friends. Um, And I could answer some of his questions or at least respond to them, but other of his questions I couldn't. And that's okay. You know, I didn't need to know everything to be his friend. But I did not want to count him out. Well, over a few years, we became better friends, and uh, he started coming to a small group with me, and I could see that there was a hunger in him, and God was at work in him, and I just, I just knew that I had to be patient, just be, be a good, consistent friend. And one day, he told me, it happened. He said, he, he said I walked through that door, Steve, walked through that door of faith in Jesus, And so I have learned, don't count anyone out. I have another friend. And again, uh, unlikely uh, from the outward appearances to ever be a follower of of Jesus, never a churchgoer, and the churches he's visited, he he didn't really like. And you could say that he was, you know, he and I are unlikely friends. I mean, we've, you know, he's even had people say, how come you're friends with this guy, you know? And uh, we've known each other now for at least six years, and I keep praying for him. And then a few months ago, a crisis hit, hit him hard. And, you know, my, I, I talked with him, I, you know, my heart went out to him, and, but for some reason I didn't really do anything else besides that and then it's kind of like it took a few weeks for God got a hold of me you know got the message through that I really needed to help him and it was the kind of help that you would probably only expect from a family member maybe that's why I didn't even consider it at first but you know there's a verse in the book of Proverbs that says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother it was like God saying to me Steve you need to be that kind of friend well, since then, uh, he, I've just seen this growing hunger for him to learn about God. And uh, he asked me for a Bible. And I gave him a Bible. And uh, he's been reading, and uh, he's been listening to some online messages. And who knows where all this is going to lead, but I know I don't want to count him out, especially now. I've seen what God can do. Don't count anyone out 
Jesus and that person might just surprise you by getting together. A a lawyer I know, she is super smart. (laughs) But she uh, was definitely not one of Jesus' people. But she had neighbors who were. And they became good friends. And she found that she was missing something in her life that they had. And so she be, they began to have conversations about it. And, 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 and they, she knew that they were praying for her and just all of this going on. Well, today she is still that same super smart lawyer, but her life now is all about walking with Jesus and living for him. Francis Collins, remember that name? Francis Collins is the head of the National Institutes of Health. Um, He's the scientist who headed up the Human Genome Project where they mapped out, you know, all those billions of codes of the human genome. Uh, You often see him in the news, even yet. Uh, I guess he would technically be uh, Anthony Fauci's boss or something like that. But anyway, he did not come from, uh, Francis Collins did not come from a Christian family. And as a young doctor, he was agnostic. But he met people who had something that he longed for. And so he began to investigate, and his investigations led him to Jesus. Today, Francis Collins is one of the best voices in the world integrating science and biblical faith. Don't count anyone out. Jesus and that person just might surprise you by getting together. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches his disciples what sounds to me to be very close to pacifism. If some of you, if that makes you nervous, that's probably a good thing. If someone strikes you on one cheek, don't strike back. Just offer them your other cheek. Love your enemies. Pray for your persecutors. And then, who shows up before Jesus? An officer of the Roman army. How is that going to work? But Jesus does not count him out. You know people who are not interested in the Jesus that we follow. Some of them are your family members, aren't they? Some of them are your neighbors and your co-workers. Don't count them out. They're not interested now, but don't count them out. You have friends who have been hurt by, by church people, and they swore they would never come back. They don't want to have anything to do with it. Don't count them out. You have friends who are not really uh, against faith and church and God and Jesus They just don't have time. They don't have time for it. They have filled their lives with other things. They're having a good time, uh, and they're they're going to this and and that, and, and they probably think that you're a little weird because you're into going to church and faith and praying and all that kind of stuff. But do not count them out. Keep praying for them. Keep loving them. Be a blessed friend for them. Because someday, something's going to happen, 
And it may shake them up, and it may wake them up. They may go through some kind of crisis. Someday they may be more receptive. And they're going to need a strength that they cannot get just from all of their many, many activities. And they and Jesus just might surprise you. Right? Let's pray. Jesus, we are amazed at how, how you surprised everyone. You didn't count out anyone. You forgave the worst sinners. You touched people with the worst illnesses. You honored the faith of people whose lives were far from perfect. You called ordinary, unlearned people to follow you. You sent them to represent you. Oh, Lord, thank you for not counting us out. Thank you for forgiving us, touching us, calling us, sending us. Lord Jesus, we are yours. Amen.